Good morning. You guys doing well? That'll be the last time you'll get a chance to see that video. Sorry. We're wrapping up our teaching series this morning on the first day of spring. It's only going to be 90 degrees here in Phoenix. Praise God. I love living here. I really do. But uh, good to have you with us. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 18. We'll be looking at verses 18 through 35. So wrapping up this teaching series, heading into a brand new teaching series on Easter weekend. We're going to be working our way through the book of Ecclesiastes. Have you ever read that book before? Anybody? Woo, I'm I'm excited about that study. Uh, Recovering Awe. That's what the title of that series is, uh, and we'll be looking into that in more detail next weekend. So uh, we're wrapping up. Relationships, a mess worth making. So we've looked at conflict. That was the first week. Second week, resolving conflict. Third week, boundaries. What I'm responsible for, what I'm not responsible for. Fourth week, communication. Last weekend, fifth week of this series, difficult people. And uh, so this week, we're, we're finishing with forgiveness. This is perhaps the most, important, uh, the most important topic out of all of these topics is really learning forgiveness. No one can love us like those who are closest to us. No one can hurt us like those who are closest to us. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. This is the driving force behind country music. I've got a few uh, crazy country music song titles right here. I know that about half of our congregation likes country, so let me just give you some of these titles. Maybe you're familiar with some of them because, I mean, if you listen to a lot of these titles, you know the songs. They're really wrapped up in hurt and heartache and hatefulness, okay? Uh, All three of those. And so here's one, I keep forgetting I forgot about you. Here's another one. Uh, I liked you better before I knew you so well. How can I miss you if you won't go away? Well, these are real titles. Um, How about this one? I still miss you, baby, but my aim's getting better. (laughs) That's a good one. Better keep practicing. Okay. I'm so miserable without you, it's like having you here. (laughs) These are real titles. Hurt, heartache, hatefulness. Just keep that in mind. I've got tears in my ears from lying on my back while I cry over you. If I can't be number one in your life, then number two on you. Oh, gee. I probably better not say that. Where's my pencil? Uh, That's not a good one, is it? If I had shot you when I wanted to, I'd be out by now. Okay, bear with me. I've I've only got a couple more, okay? My wife ran off with my best friend, and I sure do miss him. She got the gold mine and I got the... Okay, you guys know that one. How about this one? Thank God and Greyhound. She's gone. Got to say it like that. Gone. Okay. Two more. If you don't leave me alone, I'll go and find someone else who will. Here's my last one I'll share with you. 
My John Deere was breaking your field while your dear John was breaking my heart. So when it comes to hurt, when it comes to hurt, you're going to be hurt. That's just, that's inevitable in every relationship. And when it comes to hurt, you really only have two choices. It's either the bondage of bitterness or the freedom of forgiveness. Those are the only two choices that you have. And not forgiving is more costly than forgiving. The price of unforgiveness is much higher than forgiveness. Bitterness is natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. We're going to learn about that supernatural forgiveness that God wants to work in our lives uh, this morning. So you can see on the notes there, we're going to cover Matthew 18, 18 through uh, 35 and then we're going to answer really two questions, what forgiveness is not. We need to look at that because a lot of us are confused as it relates to forgiveness. And so what is forgiveness not? Forgiveness is not these things and then forgiveness is. We'll look at what it is. And uh, we've got a great study here this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. And then we'll dive into our text and unpack these notes. God, we are delighted to be here today. We absolutely, we absolutely love you. We love you because you first loved us. We love your presence. We love worshiping you through song and now through scripture. And God, we know that nothing gives the devil a foothold and keeps us from living life to its fullest like the bitterness from unresolved past hurts. You told us in your word, Psalm 34, 18, you're close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. We thank you for that. And so we pray through the study of your word and the work of your Holy Spirit, teach us how we can expose those past hurts to the light of your grace, truth, and forgiveness. Heal our hearts, set us free from the bondage of bitterness, and recycle our pain to be used for your glory and our good in Jesus' beautiful name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Matthew 18, I'll begin reading at verse 18. Notice the context of this is if your brother sins against you, he talks about resolving conflict in verses 15 through 20. And now Peter, it says here, then Peter came up and said to him, the hymn is Jesus, Lord... How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As, as many as seven times. So Peter's thinking he's being really generous here. He's saying, so if my brother sins against me, should I take it up to seven times? Notice Jesus' response. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Here's the point that Jesus is making is that Forgiveness is a lifestyle. It should be a lifestyle. Now, a couple of verses let me share with you here. And the reason why it should be a lifestyle is uh, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. It says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And why do we not want to do that? The next verse is key. Because when we let the sun go down on our anger, what do we do? We give the devil a foothold into our life. I really believe that this is one of the major ways that we give access uh, to the devil into our lives is through bitterness. We also know according to Hebrews 12, 15, the writer there says, man, I don't want you to miss out on the grace of God. And you'll, you'll miss out on the grace of God if you take the route of the bondage of bitterness, if you become bitter, and that bitterness will grow, cause trouble within your own life, and defile many people within your life. We also know that according to the Lord's Prayer, this idea of, of forgiveness should be something that we're doing every day. 
And, uh, and because he says in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us of our sins. There's that segment. It's kind of taking out the trash kind of segment. It says, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So this is really, really important. This is really important for you to know and understand. I really believe this is one of the hindrances in our lives and we carry this baggage with us. And the sad thing about it is we don't take out the trash. We tend to accumulate that in our life. I was just thinking this morning, I was envisioning somebody that has collected, you know, they've got all this baggage that they're toting around in their life from past hurts. And, and God wants you to unload that baggage this morning and, or begin the process of unloading it this morning. Let me continue reading because Jesus says, hey, it should be a lifestyle. And then he goes on and gives this unbelievable parable. So listen very carefully. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, the Christian life, being under God's rule and reign, may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. This king would represent God, and this first servant that comes to this king to settle the accounts it would be you and I. So put yourself in the story. And so when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now we need to define that. 10,000 talents, one talent in my notes here, in my ESV, if you go down to the bottom, it says that, that one talent equals 20 years. So do the math. So 10,000, that would be 200,000 years wages for a laborer. Does that make sense? So that's a lot. That's beyond uh, what this laborer, this uh, servant could pay back. So he's just saying, so when he began to, settle one, uh, began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 200,000 years wages. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So imagine the devastation of the servant. You're going to be split up from your home. Your home's going to be scattered out through the community. You're going to be sold into slavery. Devastation. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Now, denarii, you look in the notes there, is it's one, one denarii equals one day's wage. This is a hundred denarii, so this is a hundred days' wages for labor. Now, now notice the contrast here. Really important to, to understand the contrast. So the first is that he owed his king, the master, 200,000 years wages. This guy owes him 100 days wages. Right, so, so the point is we're to go, wow. We're going to go, whoa, this is crazy. What's wrong with this guy? That, that should be the first response, that he would choke this guy, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went, put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. 
So that should be troubling, shouldn't it? As you think about this contrast, you go, what in the world? You obviously didn't understand what, he, what this master did to you, and now you're doing to others. That's, that's such a contradiction. And they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, notice what he says here, you wicked servant. So he's just saying, that's wicked. I forgave you, and you're not forgiving what this person owed you? You wicked servant. I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger... And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. That's an interesting word there. There's also a footnote there. It literally means torturers in the Greek, torturers. He delivered him to the torturers. That's bitterness. As we work through this study, you're going to see that bitterness will torture you. And so he was delivered to the jailers, the torturers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. You guys know that. And so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Now, Quite an interesting, this is very convicting for me as I work through this, and I've read this many times before, but let me just give you some preliminary thoughts before we work through our notes and talk about what forgiveness is not and then what forgiveness is. And here's one of the big ideas, and I think we can read this in the context of the, of the whole of Scripture, is that you and I owe a sin debt to God that we can't pay and are therefore eternally doomed. The Bible makes that very clear. You guys understand that? You guys agree with that? It's in the Bible, okay? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's uh, Romans 3.23. It's very clear about that. God has canceled our debt and has absorbed the cost through the cross. It's quite breathtaking when you begin to understand that. When you understand that you owe a debt to God that there's no way that you can pay, but he paid it for you through his son. And so by grace through faith in Christ, my confidence before God is that he has forgiven me of all my sins and will never, ever, ever, ever hold them against me. He won't hold them against me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Some of you need to continue to work that deep into your heart this morning because you're too mired, your life is too mired by guilt and shame. And that has already been taken care of through the cross of Christ. And if you're still haunted with guilt and shame, guilt and shame over past or even present uh, issues and sins. Man, take it to the cross. Understand what he offers us. It's, it's quite spectacular when you understand that. In fact, whoever is forgiven much loves much, which would be all of us, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's Luke 7, 47. So to the degree that you see how much you have been forgiven is to the degree that your love, your love for Christ will soar. I mean, just reflect on that this morning. If you just reflect on how much he's forgiven you, you have access into the throne room of God. He will never hold any of your sins against you. It's a done deal. It's through the finished work of Christ. See, this is what separates Christianity from every other religious belief on this planet. This is why I'm a Christian today. I was stunned when I began to understand this. Because it's not based on your works. 
It's based on the finished work of Christ. You just need to trust the one who completed that work on your behalf. And uh, you, can't, you can't accomplish it anyway. I mean, it's like, it's like 200,000 years wages. That's what you owe. It's beyond your ability to pay back. You can't do it. But he paid it for you. I believe that the happiest people on this planet earth are those who never get over God's grace and celebrate their conversion, not just once, but over and over and over again. They just, it's just like, oh my goodness, I'm a mess and yet he loves me and, and he's, he's working in my life and he will continue that work until he takes me home to be with him for all eternity. There's just, there's a rest in that. There's just a, oh my goodness. This guy knowing that his family was not going to be scattered throughout the region and sold into slavery, he should have been celebrating and go, this is awesome. And then that overflow of grace should have been seen in his life as he was re relating to someone who owed him. And that's, that would be normal. Now, there's another point that I need to make here, just because oftentimes people will say, well, I know that God forgives me, but what if I can't forgive myself? How many have ever heard that before? Yeah, it's, it's some, uh, and then there'll be people out there that will teach you how to forgive yourself, and that's really bad theology, because here's, here's why it's bad theology. It's because if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves, otherwise it's like setting ourselves up as a higher court than him, it's blasphemous, really. It's almost kind of like, what? You have a higher standard than God? God forgave you. you. You have demoted God. You don't understand the weight and the importance and the significance of who you're dealing with. You, you're, not, you're not living in the reality of that the creator of the universe has forgiven you of all your sins. That's, that carries so much weight and so you need to understand that more. You need to go back to that and, and really begin to understand that. And uh, you know you have failed to grasp how much God has forgiven you when you fail to forgive others. That's the bottom line. That's what I learned from this. So when I'm unforgiving horizontally, it's because I don't understand how much Christ has forgiven me uh, vertically. And so our biggest problem isn't how much we've been sinned against. Oftentimes we make that the big problem. And I'm not minimizing how much you've been sinned against. I know that many people here have been really sinned against in, in a horrendous way. Terrible. Terrible way. I'm not minimizing that. But what I'm saying is that our bigger problem is our own personal sinfulness and how much we've sinned against a holy, righteous God and understanding how much he has forgiven us. And when we understand that, oh my goodness, it's freeing. We quit living in the in the mire of guilt and shame, and then that grace, we celebrate that regularly, daily, and then we offer that to others. And so, let's talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. You will never feel like forgiving, and you don't have to. You don't start by f feeling, because I'll tell you what, when people have hurt me, I didn't feel like forgiving them. I wanted to put the hurt on them, okay? I mean, that's typically what you feel like doing. And uh, we are not to feel our way into beliefs, but believe our way into feelings. I think I put that on your notes there. Is that on your notes? Yeah, it's right there on the bottom. So feelings are never to be initiators. They're all always responders. 
So you got to work on your beliefs. You work on your beliefs until your feelings catch up. The next one is that it's not excusing. Forgiveness is not excusing. It is not tolerating bad behavior, pretending what someone did was not so bad. That's important to also know. God doesn't expect us to be doormats. God expects us to respond justly and graciously, even as we are defending ourselves and confronting abuse. And uh, so we are not to seek vengeance, obviously, but seek justice and forgiveness. So forgiving from the heart those who do you wrong, yet at the same time insisting on truth and responsibility. See, that's the life that's shaped by the cross. What you're doing there is that you're honoring both mercy and justice at the same time. When you look at the cross, the cross represents both mercy and justice. There needed to be payment for our sin. There's the justice, but he's not going to make us pay for it. That's mercy. And our Savior pays for it. The third thing here, so it's not a feeling, it's not excusing, it's not forgetting. It's not forgetting. That's the third thing on your notes. It's not forgetting. There is a difference between recalling an offense and reliving it. You want to get to the point where you're not reliving that. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we work through this. So reliving is where you almost have those same emotions that kind of rise up within you as you're kind of working through those issues. Uh, But you'll be able to recall it. And some offenses we must never forget in order to have a heart of wisdom. And some past hurts can be a warning to us to not get into that same situation again. So it doesn't mean that we forget about it. It just means we, we stop reliving it. We can recall it, but we don't relive it. Here's the third one. It doesn't mean reconciling. I don't know how many times I've, I've talked to people about forgiveness and they think that immediately, oh, I've got to reconcile with that person. See, it, it only takes one to forgive, but it takes two to reconcile. In some cases, reconciliation would actually be harmful and, and that would be the case where the abuser, you know, isn't, the, the abuser is unrepentant and untrustworthy. When the abuser is unrepentant and untrustworthy, you don't reconcile. You can't reconcile. They're, they don't want to reconcile. They don't probably even want forgiveness. True forgiveness can forgive even those who are totally unrepentant. See, through Christ, uh, it, and you can forgive them even when they're totally unrepentant, but it doesn't mean reconciliation. Through Christ, you have the power to forgive right now regardless of what anyone else says or does. But it doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. The last one here is trusting. Forgiveness doesn't mean trusting. Because trust has to be earned over time based on that person's uh, performance. It's not wise to trust an unrepentant and untrustworthy person. It's just, so you don't come running back into the relationship. That's not what forgiveness is. That person has to, by the way, you also need to know this, especially if abusers and control freaks will demand, you just, we just need to get over it and you need to start trusting me. No, you don't. They need to do everything they can. Real repentant heart would, would say, man, I'm so sorry I violated your trust. I'm going to do whatever it takes to reestablish it. What do I need to do? What do I need to do so that you will begin to trust me more? See, that would be a real repentant heart. That would be somebody that gets it. And, but if someone that demands it, obviously, uh, woo, that's scary. Well, you just need to trust me. Well, no, you don't. You're not trustworthy. 
I've gotten hurt too many times. I'm not going to run back into this relationship until I see these things happen. And you can even spell those things out. Now, let's transition. Let's move into what forgiveness is. And I'm going to share with you a story here as we do that. Some time ago, Dave Hagler, who works as an umpire in recreational baseball league, in a recreational baseball league, was pulled over for driving too fast in the snow in Boulder, Colorado. He tried to talk to the officer out of... Uh, giving him a ticket by telling him how worried he was about insurance and how he's normally a very safe driver and so on. The officer said that if he didn't like receiving the ticket, he could take the matter to court. At the first game in the next baseball season, Dave Hagler is umpiring behind the plate. And the first batter up is, can you believe it, the policeman. As the police officer is about to step into the batter's box, they recognize each other, long pause. The officer asks, so how did the thing with the ticket go? Hagler says, you better swing at everything. <laughs> sweet revenge, sweet revenge. The problem with sweet revenge, and by the way, I mean, a lot of the movies and a lot of TV shows have a, that sweet revenge. When, you, when the bad guy gets it or somebody that's hurt someone, they get it, everybody kind of like cheers and goes, yeah! Now, there's a problem with sweet revenge is that it is insatiable and it, um, it leaves you a hostage of your hate. See, when, when you try to get payment through revenge, the evil doesn't disappear, it spreads. Most tragically of all, into you. And you are becoming like the evil that was being done to you. And that's why you want to learn forgiveness. So forgiveness is a decision. It's a decision. It is an act of the will based on faith and not feelings to call on God to change my heart. And this is, I mean, you know you've really been hurt because you, you're crying out to God, God, change my heart because right now I want to go over there and put the hurt on this person. I want to... I've got all kinds of bad thoughts about them. So you know you've really been hurt because you're calling out to God, oh God, change my heart. Oh God, change my heart. Because right now I despise them. And uh, I mean, you guys see this all the time when uh, in court hearings and when they have the family come up and they're able to sh uh, say some things about the perpetrator and there's a lot of venom spewed. You can see the unforgiveness many times. I hate you and I hope you burn in hell kind of things. And so that's, uh, there's that, there's hatred. They're, they're hostage to the hatred in that. And so it starts with this, uh, with a decision. It is an act of the will based on faith and not feelings to call on God to change my heart. Vengeance is natural, but forgiveness is supernatural. So you're asking for the supernatural help of God. Believe me, I've experienced this. Oh my goodness, it's so supernatural. It's absolutely amazing when it begins to take place, but you've got to call out on him. It is a decision uh, that you make for your own sake to restore your life and your emotions to good health. So you're not doing it so much for this other person's sake. You're doing it for your sake. Now, this is what I found in my life, that if bitterness lingers, if it seems to linger, I must ask, what did I lose that I think I can't live without? And uh, I'm going to share with you a story that happened to me here uh, a number of years ago that took me probably about a year to forgive this guy. 
And uh, part of the reason why I couldn't let it go is because I had some idolatry. The thing that I had lost was more important to me than Christ. And so oftentimes when we, when we have unforgiveness and we're working through bitterness, it's because of that. Now listen to this story. This is from Timothy Keller. This is from his book, The Reason for God, in the chapter, The Problem with Sin. As a pastor at my first church in Hopewell, Virginia, I found myself counseling two different women, both of whom were married, both of whom had husbands who were poor fathers, and both of whom had teenage sons who were beginning to get into trouble in school and with the law. Both of the women were angry at their husbands. I advised them and talked, among other things, about the problem of unresolved bitterness and the importance of forgiveness. Both women agreed and sought to forgive. However, the woman who had the worst husband and who was the least religious was able to forgive. The other woman was not. This puzzled me for months until one day the unforgiving woman blurted out, well, if my son goes down the drain, then my whole life will have been a failure. She had centered her life on her son's happiness and success that was why she couldn't forgive. So when unforgiveness lingers, when bitterness continues, it's obviously that there is something that you feel that you can't live without that you lost through this interaction with this person. Somehow they, they blocked it, they stopped it. Some, something went down there and so you've got to work on that. It's idolatry. And... Uh, it's got, a control. it's got control of your life. And so you've got to work on that. That's part of that, that decision, crying out to God, decision. And it's a process. It's a process. Forgiveness is a decision. It's a process. I need to keep practicing forgiveness every time I see my offender or think of him or her. Every time the offense comes back to mind, it must be forgiven again. This, this could be a thousands of times. I mean, you're, just, you're, you're wrestling in your heart, in your mind. Every time the offense comes back to mind, it must be forgiven again. And as you continue the process of forgiveness, your thinking, so if you'll be diligent in this, your thinking and your feelings will over time be renewed and the hurtful memories will no longer harass you. That's why it tells us in 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of Jesus Christ. You guys do know this, that the warfare for who you are is in your mind, it's in your heart. There's where the battlefield is. You, you're going to have to do some major battling. And so it's a process. Those things, I mean, I do that even with sin. When things try to attract me, that draw me away to allure me, I have to, I have to battle that through my allurement to Christ. Wait a minute, that, that might be good, but you're even better, Jesus. And I'm going to follow you. That's, and so you, there's, that, there's that wrestling within our hearts, within our minds. When that rises up, you go, oh, those people, I can't believe. Oh. Those brain debates, that stuff going on, that stirring up within you. So it's that process. And then number three, it's canceling a debt. So it's a decision, it's a process, it's canceling a debt. You give up the right to hurt the person back. You stop entertaining fantasies of vengeance in which you, your perpetrator, your abuser is tortured or fired from their job or suddenly gains 100 pounds overnight, okay, or, or, or whatever it might be. I mean, 
I mean, you, you, you do do that. You probably don't realize it, but when you're really angry and when someone has hurt you, you entertain these fantasies of them being, being hurt or wounded. I just, I hope they go bald or something like that. I, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Bald's not so bad, okay? They might like it, unless they're a woman, okay? And they probably wouldn't. So you cancel, you cancel a debt. Now, now listen to this. People, that would be all of us, people who harbor bitterness and grudges allow others to re-victimize them whenever they brood over past hurts. So when you brood over those past hurts, now listen to me. When you're reciting, when you're nursing, cursing, and rehearsing what has been done to you, you are re-victimizing yourself over and over again. That person might have even gone on. They don't even know what's going on, and you're allowing yourself to be re-victimized by that person over and over and over again. The abuser is in control of the bitter person's emotions. No one is more miserable than the unforgiver. Quick story here. It happened a number of years ago. By the way, you guys know we're, we're celebrating 25 years here next weekend. It's pretty, pretty crazy, huh? So we're going to party and have a fun time, but we're going to party even more so for the resurrection of our Savior. That's really what it's about more than anything. But, but in 25 years, I mean, I've taken a few hits. My wife has taken a few hits, but we took a hit back in 2001, which was really quite devastating for us. And we had hired a guy. He was on staff. I went out of my way for him, did a lot of things uh, for him to get him here, moved him here from out of state, did all kinds of stuff. And the guy decided to exit inappropriately. Kind of proved to be a, a hireling through the whole process. Stabbed me in the back. Really, really devastating. Turned a lot of folks against me. I had people coming into my office during that time cursing me out and coming after me and attacking me. And it was really hurtful. It was one of those times in my life where all I did was kind of tie myself to the mask of the DB boat <laughs> and just said, God, I'm, I'm going to hang in here and I'm just going to keep I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm gonna, I, I can't do much other than just hang in here. I was just hanging on for dear life, just to ride out the storm. We probably lost about 75 to 100 folks that left the church at the time, many just because of gossip, and, and a lot of people despised me, and my wife was taking hits during that time, and uh, I was so, so angry. I was devastated. I was really hurt. It was one of the worst times in my life and yet the best time in my life. <laughs> I can say that now in hindsight as I look back over it because God was ridding me of my uh, idolatry of this church and the success of this church. And I realized, hey, wait, wait, this isn't mine. This is yours. These are your people. I'm just your servant, God. And if you want to crash this thing, it's up to you. But I'm just going to do what you tell me to do and I'm here to honor you. It's not about me. It's about you. And so I, God really worked through those things. But what's fascinating about this whole time, it took me about a year to forgive this guy. We did, we did everything we could to try to reconcile and work through that. This guy didn't want to have anything to do with us, and he just, he stirred up such a mess. And, uh, and God has quite an interesting sense of humor, and so about the time I felt like I was no longer had that animosity deep in my heart, I felt like, you know, I, I think I can be somewhat civil to this guy if I, if I saw him. It was almost like God says, okay, let me test you. 
I was at a conference here in the valley and I just sat down and, and I realized that this speaker was probably going to go for longer than an hour and I needed to kind of go to the bathroom. I didn't think I could wait. So kind of in, impromptu, spontaneously, I went outside, went into the bathroom. As I'm standing there at the urinal like this, I look over to the side and lo and behold, guess who's standing at the urinal right next to me? Was this guy. And as I'm standing there, I mean, it did occur to me just for a moment just to maybe to turn sideways like this. Whoops, sorry. I, I didn't mean to. You got, you, I just went on your, yeah, you deserve it. You. I mean, it just, it just an instant. I just thought, ah. But I, you know what? I, my, heart, my heart went out to him. I, I really felt bad for him. And I had no animosity towards him whatsoever. It was almost like God was, okay, let's see. Let's see where your heart is. And you know, it's crazy. I don't, think that, I don't think any of our circumstances are by chance. I think God's orchestrating our lives. And I was, my wife and I were on our way home from working out Friday. And we stopped in at a Starbucks for a little oatmeal to chase it with some coffee. And, and lo and behold, guess who was in that Starbucks? He was there, had quick interaction with him. And my heart broke for him. I really felt bad for him because he's been on a trajectory that's been pretty bad and it just, I felt bad and I knew that God had healed up my heart because I really wanted good for him, even all the devastation that he caused. And see, there's that, there's that canceling the debt, but then there's that also absorbing the cost yourself. You know, we as a church had to absorb that cost. We went through some major financial crisis even during that year. Besides the 9-11 thing that went down, I mean, it was really horrendous. And yet, God said, I'm in control. This is my church. And you're going to succeed because of me. Not because of you or anybody else. So you absorb the cost. What is forgiveness specifically? When someone has wronged you, it means you, you owe, they owe you, they are indebted to you. Forgiveness is canceling the debt and refusing to exact the price out of the person in any way. And, and, and instead, you absorb the cost of the debt and pay the price yourself. Now, now listen to me. This is really important to understand. When you cancel the debt and absorb the cost, you're reenacting the gospel. You're getting a hint through that. What you're doing as you cancel the debt and absorb the cost, you're being reminded at that moment what your Savior did for you, which was astronomical. So then you begin to go, oh, this isn't anything compared to what you did for me, God. Because that becomes now a reenactment. You just go, wow, I'm just doing what, man, Jesus, you did this for me. Oh, my goodness. I have access to the throne room. You will never leave me or forsake me. All the blessings of heaven are mine. Not because of my performance, but because of the performance of your son. And by behalf, whoa, thank you. Thank you. So forgiveness is, A, free the person from the penalty for a sin. B, paying the price yourself. So, so. So letting go of vengeance doesn't mean letting go of justice. We've kind of talked about that. When Nancy was robbed at, a, at gunpoint at the bank that she worked for, uh, and then she had to come back, and they, they captured the guy, brought him back, and she had to point him out. Yep, that's the guy. She was horrified. She was terrified. And she had to forgive the robber 
but he still had to pay his debt to society. Make sense? And that's, that's all part of that. But absorbing, absorbing the cost would be like someone comes over to your house, they horse around and they break a lamp. And so you say, hey, don't, don't worry about it. You're going to cancel the debt. But then you still have to absorb the cost because you don't have a lamp anymore. You either have to go out and buy a new lamp or have that one fixed or you just do without a lamp in the corner there. It's just dark. It's like, it's only a lamp. But you just like, that, that's, that's how that works. So it's canceling the debt, absorbing the cost, and then the promise not to bring up the debt to yourself, the offender, or others. Um, as I was working through this issue with this particular uh, person, I thought I had gotten over it, and I'll never forget it. I was in a staff meeting, and I was kind of re reliving it in front of them. I thought I was just recalling it. And I said to everybody, yeah, this guy, he did this and he did that. We had a few new people on staff and I was telling him a little bit about this story and, and he did this and all that and, and I'm over it now and everything's much better. And somebody on staff said, I don't think you are over it. I go, yes, I am. Get off my back. You know? <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was evident. I mean, and I said, so what makes you think that? Well, your neck veins kind of pop out. <laughs> And you crack your knuckles and you're like, you grit your teeth and, you know, I don't think you're over this yet. And it kind of made me mad that he would say that because I thought I was over it, but I wasn't over it. I wasn't over it and I was glad that he pointed that out to me. And I was still reliving it. I still had those emotions. They were still just as raw. This was five, six years later. Isn't that crazy? And uh, I, I call it a sunburn analogy so the promise not to bring up the debt to yourself, the offender, or others. That's the next one. And the sunburn analogy is when someone can mention their name or a particular event and your neck veins pop out, okay? You're just like, ah. That's, that means you, you haven't gotten over it. You're just as fired up. You're reliving it. You can, you're not recalling it. You're still reliving it. And... Uh, and so just keep that in mind. You guys know what a sunburn analogy is, don't you? I, mean, I need to explain that. You know, you, you, let's say that uh, you know, now that's getting warm, you work in the backyard, you take your shirt off or whatever, and you got a sunburn on your back, and then you come to church and you put a shirt on, and someone comes up and pats you on the back. What do you do? You punch them out. That's what you do. And they go, why'd you punch me out? I got a sunburn. Well, I didn't know that. I was just trying to give you a love pat. And then you overreact. So anytime you overreact to anything, when, when you see somebody overreacting, you know, oh, they got a sunburn. Now don't do that to them. Don't go, oh, you got a sunburn. Uh, just say, oh, I'm sorry. What, what's going on here? When I mention that person's name, when I start talking about this, I notice you got kind of revved up there a little bit. What's happening? Maybe it'd, it'd be a good opportunity for further healing in their life. Here's the next thing. This is a really important one. So forgiveness is also trusting that God will settle the score. Romans 12, 19, it says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Now, I want you to hear the heaviness of this. He says, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay says the Lord. You don't want to be on the other side of that. You do, pl listen to me. You absolutely do not want to be on the other side. If you understand what that means, and praise God, if you put your faith in Jesus, you don't have to be. 
Here's, here's what it comes down to. When Jesus came the first time, he came to bear our judgment. When he comes back the second time, he will bring judgment. And one of these days, he will settle the score, balance the books, and make things right. And that's what he's saying here. And so, listen, man, I, I'm choosing Jesus. You know, he came to bear my judgment. But if you don't choose Jesus, he's coming to bring judgment. And you have to face that. And when you begin to understand that, here's what begins to take place in your life. Trusting that God will settle the score. Because oftentimes I hear people say, well, they're, they're getting away with it. No, they're not. No, let me take you to Romans 12, 19. Nobody gets away with anything. Nobody gets away with anything. And, and the more you realize what is in store for your abuser, the more you will pity them. And you know you're beginning to make progress when you find yourself wishing the other person well. And so you go through this process of, uh, you go through, you go from, I'd like to get them back, to, God, you get them back, <laughs> to, God, bless them. I pity them. God, I pray that they'll come to repentance and come to you. Otherwise, they will be a recipient of you bringing judgment on them. That's heavy. That's heavy. So you just, you just rest. So when people abuse you, you go, oh my goodness. You have my daddy to contend with, believe me. <laughs> you don't want to mess with him because I'm, I'm, he's, I'm his child and that's part of it. And then here's the last one. To give what you have received from God. To give what you have received from God. Colossians 3.13, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. An entrenched refusal to forgive is a sign that you have not known God's amazing forgiveness of yourself. That God has forgiven you. Your ugly behavior reveals the ugly condition of your heart. If you think that God is not that holy and you're not that sinful, then you won't need that much forgiveness, nor will you be that much forgiving. Christians are the most forgiven people in this world. Therefore, we should be the most forgiving people in this world. Let me read to you a story. This is where we'll conclude our time together in this teaching and in this series. Accompanied by... Her fiance, a woman, went to the Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston to order what was supposed to be their wedding banquet. They poured over, over the menu, made selections of china and silver, pointed to the pictures of flower arrangements they liked. They both had ex expensive taste, and the bill came to $13,000. After leaving a check for half that amount as a down payment, the couple went home to flip through books of wedding announcements. The day the announcements were supposed to hit the mailbox, the potential groom got cold feet. I'm just not sure, he said. It's a big commitment. Let's think about this a little bit longer. And he dumped his fiance. When his angry fiance returned to the Hyatt to cancel the banquet, the events manager could not have been more understanding. The same thing happened to me, honey, she said, and told the story of her own broken engagement. But about the refund, she had bad news. The contract is binding. 
you're only entitled to $1,300 back. You have two options. Forfeit the rest of the down payment, thousands of dollars, or go ahead with the banquet. I'm sorry, really I am. It seemed crazy, but the more the jilted bride thought about it, the more she liked the idea of going ahead with the party. Not a wedding banquet, mind you, but a big blowout. Ten years before, the same woman had been living in a homeless shelter. She had gotten back on her feet, found a good job, set aside a sizable nest egg. Now she had this wild notion of using her savings to treat the down and outs of Boston to a night on the town. And so... It was in June of 1990, the Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston hosted a party such as it had never seen before. The hostess changed the menu to boneless chicken in honor of the groom, she said. <laughs> she sent invitations to rescue missions and homeless shelters. That warm summer night, people who were used to peeling half-mud pizza off the cardboard dined instead on chicken cordon bleu. Hyatt waiters in tuxedos served hors d'oeuvres to senior citizens propped up by crutches and aluminum walkers. Bag ladies, vagrants, and addicts took one night off from the hard life on the sidewalks outside and instead sipped champagne and ate chocolate wedding cake and danced to Big Bang band melodies late into the night. What an amazing picture of what God can do with our hurt if we will forgive and he recycles our pain so that we can in turn bless others. Now it really comes down to the bondage of bitterness or the freedom of forgiveness. And if you will forgive, God will take your hurt and your pain and you'll become a trophy of his grace. And you'll be able to do what Joseph did in Genesis 50-20. I call it the 50-20 perspective, remember? He was able to look his perpetrators in the eyes and he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good for what is now being done the saving of many lives. And God will use your hurt in your life to touch many people's lives and to save many people's lives if you'll learn to forgive. It's supernatural. Let him work in your life. Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free only to realize the prisoner was me. Pretty amazing truths that God has given us through his word this morning. So, hey, don't forget, next weekend, it's going to be a celebration. Grab some packs of uh, those cards and pass them out to your family and friends. Free drink on the back. Bring them back. They can uh, get a free drink. And uh, we're excited about next weekend. We start a brand new teaching series. And so let me pray as we conclude our time together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your truth. Your truth brings freedom to our lives. Help us to see more clearly than ever that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross, our sin debt is paid in full. I pray for those that are here this morning that have never confessed you as Savior. I pray that they would do that this morning. They'd open their heart to you. They'd acknowledge their sin, believe you died on the cross for their sin, confess you as Savior. 
Keep us, God, from missing out on your grace and letting a bitter root grow up, causing trouble and defiling many. May we never get over your amazing grace and may it overflow our lives to those around us for your glory and our joy in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.